Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We had a chance to listen in on Andrew Barry today, the team's general manager. And uh, I thought it was interesting. The biggest thing I got of it was that there are nine more opportunities left. Uh, The biggest thing I got out of it is Monday night saved everybody. Had they lost so. Yeah, had they lost Monday night, that this would have been this would have been catastrophic. So three and five is that much different between yes between three and five and two and six. Yeah, for that, yeah, yeah, because the uh, the tone of that press conference would have been much different if they were two and six. Um, right, well, he did say, "Well, keep going." Sorry, Daryl. No, I, I just I, I think that the tone would have been much much different. Um, it, it because if you're two and six and you've lost five straight games, like it it really is the end of the world. The apocalypse has arrived. Uh, because they won, now everybody in that building can talk themselves into, well, we we're as good as we thought we were. Just needed a couple, needed to make a couple extra plays, and that's kind of what we got from Andrew Berry today uh, in, in regards to the, you know that that big picture. I mean, that, that, that's it, what he talked. It about. did sound like they were close to a deal, though. That that he was close, but they didn't. The competition on the other side wasn't there, and you know there was a lot of talk about Kareem Hunt. I know we're going to get that in a second. So um, let's go through some of the things that Andrew Berry had to say today, Daryl. Well, let's let's start with what I was talking about, the impact of the outcome of uh, blowing out the Cincinnati Bengals on national TV. I would say that, it, you know, candidly probably maybe had a little bit of a, a mild influence. Zach, I wouldn't say that it it moved the needle significantly in, in one direction or, or another. Had a probably a pretty good idea in terms of, you know, how we wanted to approach, you know, obviously yesterday with a couple different opportunities. But to suggest it didn't have any some type of mild impact, I think would would be disingenuous. Daryl, redefine mild for me, please. What mild impact? And, and please be words, candid. Please be candid because the Browns are candid about everything. And yeah, they're candid about everything. Um, I said that with a straight face too. Oh, I know. Um, I saw it. 
Candidly, um, he has a straight face. Candidly, we're lucky we got that out of him. Um, yes. I, I think it just meant that as far as acquiring talent, trying to acquire talent rather than moving talent out of Cleveland. Um, I, I think that that's where the mild impact uh, comes into play. Here's how close they were to making a deal. We came close to one deal in terms of acquiring a player. It didn't um, come to fruition from a compensation package, but we feel really good about the team that we have, feel really good about the guys in the locker room. So they feel really good about the guys they have and the guys in the locker room, but he did try and bring in a player. I, I just want to point that out. Well, it is one of 22 starters, right? Just saying. I'm assuming they would have brought in a starter, right? Uh, and I think that starter would play defense too, because uh, that's where well, they need to help. I mean, you said that what uh, positionally, defensive tackle. What do you think they would have brought in? I would have thought, yeah, defensive tackle, linebacker, because I mean they lost Jacob Phillips now too. Yeah, I wish they could have been in the mix on uh, this, Bradley Chubb, but that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, unless Deion Jones was cloned. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Bradley Chubb would have been good. Uh, instead, they get to play him when they come back from the bye. How great is that? Yeah, I noticed that right away too. Um, and then also the Ravens got better over the break too. So, or over the trading deadline. Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I'm just. I, <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now, Daryl. I actually just, they can. Know, <laughs> it, well, there is if, video. If we, if we post the whole video thing, which sometimes happens, uh, sometimes doesn't. let's hope that All doesn't. Right. Happen. Nobody wants to yeah, see. Let's. Me. Let's let's do this. Let's talk about Kareem Hunt because there was a big feeling that he was going to get traded. The team kind of put it out there. Clearly, they did not get the offer they wanted or they overvalued what he was or no team thought he was worth whatever they wanted. And to be they honest with you, fans... wanted a better than a compensatory, the compensatory pick that they project to get, which I'm guessing they are thinking it's going to be at best a fourth-round compensatory pick. They're not going to get a three for him. Uh, but, Daryl, that compensatory pick is based on usage. They got to play him to get a fourth round pick, and it's also based on postseason awards. And he's not. Well, there, win there's a lot of stuff that win. goes. It is a massive formula that goes into that. It's not. I, I, just from what I read, it, it didn't seem too big. It was like three or four things that went into it. Is there more to it than that? Yeah, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, it to the point of I've got to. I, I I have to look it all up <laughs> to read all of it. Um, but they they wanted more than just a. Uh, a compensatory level pick. And if they weren't going to get that, then they were going to keep the player. And so they chose, chose to keep the player, which again is easy to do when you're three and five, a lot tougher to do when you are two and four. We always have open dialogue with our guys. So none of that necessarily happens in a vacuum just to be clear, but cream's been excellent. You know, every day that he's, that he's been in the building, you know, since August. And I think you all know how passionate he is and how much he cares about this team and how much he cares about the city. And we think we know he's going to have a really strong second half and are looking forward to helping us continue to win games like he did on Monday night. By the way, I want to send a shout out to the audio engineer that, that ran that press conference. Yes. Because true story. I sit in the second row. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hear a word. Andrew Barry said, Really? During the press conference. I had I, I, I picked up a few things here and there. Couldn't hear half of what he said because he talks like this. Oh, how about that? And he talks really super soft. He doesn't so, and then it he was that soft. Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? It was that soft in there? I can't hear you, Daryl. Daryl, this isn't a good That's exactly what it sounded like. To me <laughs> yeah, this isn't a good I was podcast. Sitting in the room. I'm like, I that's got crazy. no idea what he's saying. Um 
And then thankfully I got a copy of the audio from the press conference. I'm like, Oh, so that's how he answered that question. Uh, Cause he's just, he's a very quiet talker. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but he makes no effort to project at all. <laughs> so I don't know how anyone in the back of the room heard a word he had to say, cause I'm sitting in the second row and I'm, I'm like this, I'm like straining to hear. I'm like, do I got to call my mom? For hearing aid. So when so when the thing was over, when the presser was over, I, I I turned to a colleague and I said, "Did you hear any of that, by the way? Because I didn't. Do I need hearing aids? Am I old? Am I officially old? And I need to get hearing yeah, you aids? Are. You I are, keep yeah. my headphones at a very reasonable level. In fact, I think I'm the only person at the station that when he plugs in his headphones goes instantly deaf. Oh, I do. You should see the after other people I have to replace. So I know, I'm like, and, I'm and I'm like. I, so, so I was worried that like my hearing, no, he, he, he was basically whispering through the whole press conference. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. It's not me then. Good to know. At least we have the behind the scenes story. Daryl, can I give you the compensatory pick story here? Yeah. Give me a story. Andy. Okay. Here it is. This is from NFL.com. And it, cause I think there's been a lot of talk about these compensatory picks based on, you know, obviously what Kareem Hunt was worth. According to Nick Shook, who the Shookie Cookie from Kent State is what we used to call him a long time ago. According to him, the NFL's formula includes determining whether or not a player falls under the compensatory free agent status, which is defined as a player who is signed with a new club prior to the free agency signing period, blah, 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 like that. That's not it. But the bigger point is it's the free agency plus minus is first. There's a there's a plus minus calculation too. free agency losses versus free agency gains. Okay whose rights by the franchise were tendered on unrestricted free agent, a player who's ranked in the top 35% of all NFL players according to average yearly compensation, so how much you make, with additional points assigned based on postseason honors. Cremont's not getting a postseason honor. No. And or participation, total snaps played. Clubs who have lost more uh, free agents than they have signed or acquire are eligible to receive compensatory ticks, uh, picks. Sorry, trans- Transition tag. Uh, franchise tag players who receive an offer sheet and those whose uh, sheet is not matched by the tagging franchise do not qualify. Now they say that it's a secret process too. Within his story, I will say this when it comes to the compensatory picks, you know, if, if you just Google it, it says the formula is simple. The formula is based on the player's average salary, playing time and postseason awards. His salary is pretty low. They're not giving him any playing time, and the postseason awards are not going to happen. So my my point more with Kareem is, while we think he's might be worth a third or fourth round pick, if they're not playing him, they're going to get less. So they need to play him now if they want more at the end of the season, more than what somebody offered him during this right before the trade deadline. That's my biggest and point to the whole keep thing. Keep in mind, he's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, right? And it, the Browns basically control his market value. Correct. Just so, saying. what are they going to do if they play him? They'll get a well, higher. No, you don't know if your season's if they going don't, down the drain. You don't want to play him because you want to resign him for cheap. Do you think that's going to happen? Oh no, I no. He wants to go somewhere to make money and 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 play. No, he's, he's not. Me, but I'm just saying that it's similar to baseball, right? Where they right game the system, so to speak. Do, you can do the the same thing, uh, you know, with 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 players, and so. But all right, yeah. Daryl, let's do this. Um, yeah, I want to hear from Kevin Stefan. I want to hear what Andrew Barry had to say about Kevin Stefanski. Let's talk about him. Oh, do you? 
I was yeah, going to say. Let's do that, let's do that in can... the next segment. We'll do that next segment. How's that sound? I was going to do it right now. No, we're going to tease him. We're teasing him. We'll hear what he had to say there. And then we're also going to talk about the offense. And we'll hear from the offense as well. So it's always game day in Cleveland. And we'll back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always game day in Cleveland. Yep, we are brought to you by our good friends at Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We're still kind of going through what Andrew Barry had to say at his bi-week press conference. And one of the things we last talked about was um, how does he feel about Kevin Stefanski? Where is he at? Because the fans have been pretty brutal on him over the last couple of weeks, although there are a lot of fans out there that have patience. But he has been under fire more, I say, from the – general audience than he has been his entire time here so daryl what did andrew have to say about kevin kevin has had to navigate some pretty unique circumstances and some pretty difficult circumstances during his tenure as a head coach and our belief in kevin is just as strong as the day that we we hired him you know he's he's smart you know he's a servant leader he's he's creative and you know we know he has the ability to lead our team to wins I don't know that I agree with the leader part, but the rest of it, yeah, sure. Basically, Andrew Berry does not feel about Kevin Stefanski the way that some fans do. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that Kevin's riding on a free pass because we're waiting on Deshaun Watson? I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the seat would have been potentially hot if they lost Monday night. But I think, as I said earlier, I think Monday night changes a lot. It it changes the perception of a lot. being three and five, because now you can talk yourself into, well, we were just as close. Well, how many times? We, that that I mean, gets loss is just painful. How many times painful. do we hear him mention how tight the margins in the NFL are? Right. I mean, he mentioned that about a dozen times. Mm-hmm. So um, they can talk themselves into being better than they really are at three and five. At four and six, you suck and you need to probably blow some stuff up because it's not working. True. Um, I think that they're five and 10 in their last 15 games, which is disgusting. But he said, it was, I thought it was interesting that he said, you can look at the pie that way. I can look at the pie that has a playoff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if we looked at the pie, the other, just to this year, you were almost two and four or or two and six rather. So um, this is regressed. And Oh, by the way, you can't pin all this stuff on the quarterback. We'll get on, uh, you know, kind of get into that. Um, But yeah, this is um, this was a we feel a lot better about ourselves type of uh, day, um, and I, I think that you're trying to sell to fans that everything's fine. No, it's not fine. You're two games below 500. You teetered on just complete and utter disaster. You've got a brutal second half of the schedule. You play four, or I should say, you play six of nine games on the road. You have to play at Miami in Josh Allen's house. Uh, Tom Brady comes here. Uh, Then you get the three-ring circus that's going to be the Texans game. Uh, Then you have to go to Cincinnati, come back here to deal with Lamar. You get a little bit of a holiday break because the Saints come to town. 
Uh, and then you go to Washington before wrapping up against the Steelers. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a pretty tough road down the stretch. Uh, here is what Barry feels would make, or at least constitute, a successful season. Ultimately, it's, it's really just maximizing our potential and playing consistent football in the second half of the year. Look, we understand that, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, we do have to produce wins. Like, that's, that's our yeah, mindset and that's our goal. And that's, how, that's the, the mindset that we're going to take into the next nine games. Shocking. You actually have to win games. It's not about <laughs> potential. It's not. It's win. W-I-N. Three words. That's it. Win, win, win. As Al Davis said, just win, baby. Which you've not done a lot of. Like, again, I just sometimes feel like they try and talk themselves up to being something that they're they're not. They're not as good as they think they are. Um, they certainly aren't as good as I thought they were going to be. And I, I, I just. Gerald, do you think they learned anything on Monday Night Football? No. That the fans aren't absolutely crazy, that people want to see football with their own eyes and have things be I, like I, like I said today on the radio that you know Kevin can it, it, there could be like fifteen different outcomes to a given play. Right. One is positive and probably good. All the other ones are bad. And if he hits the one, he's a genius. But all the other fourteen outcomes make him look like an idiot. It doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter. Like Kevin can't catch a pass. Kevin can't fumble a football. Right. Kevin can't make a block. But what Kevin can do is put guys in the right position to do things and not force his backup quarterback into having to throw late in the game, things like that. And 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 ha- and being more in charge of the defense when the defense is having trouble rather than saying, well, this loss is on me, maybe going out there and saying, you know what, I am getting my hands dirty. I'm with this defense. Joe and I are working very or- hard to fix some of these things. I know AVP's got things going on on the offense, and they're going in the right direction there. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the defense. We're asking him just to sound accountable. We're not asking him to be accountable. We're asking him to sound accountable. Well, he thinks he sounds accountable by saying it's I got to be better. That's it's that on thing. me. That's like, not that's not right. what we, that's not what fans are listening for anymore. I, I understand, but that's that's his way of sounding accountable. Is my point. Um, so I had. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of conversations with uh, with former NFL players. Okay. About leadership. Sure. Because that's a big thing uh, that has been buzzing around, right? Right. And it all came back to, and I didn't even bring up Stefanski. They all brought up Stefanski. And what were they saying? And because I had said, you know, Bill Belichick is as boring as a dry loaf of bread. And yet his players bust their butts for him. And he wins and he's successful. And I, I was like, so is it because he's just that good of a coach that they know that they can't mess up or anything because he's Bill Belichick? Or is it really does he do something that's special and different? And you know what they all said? Watch Bill Belichick on the sidelines. He's with everybody. He's talking with everybody. How many times do you see Kevin Stefanski talk to anybody on the sidelines? He basically spends the game with his head buried in his play call sheet. You never see him go back to the bench with a pad 
and and be pointing stuff out to players and coaching them up in the middle of a game like you see Bill Belichick do. Offense, defense, and special That's a good teams. Point. You never see Kevin Stefanski leave the sideline. He is literally doing this the whole game. He's got his card. I'm just trying to find something that's like, you know, generic here. He just has his yeah, card. Yeah, no one this, can see it anyway. Like Keep going. This, yeah, we can't this, no, this is my Kevin Stefanski impersonation the whole game. You know who he reminds me of? Currently... You know who <laughs> he reminds me of? has a sheet of paper in front of his face in yeah. case you can't tell. But... You, you know who he reminds me of? Wilson. Uh, I can tell you. Pat Shermer. No. Oh, the Wilson guy from Home Improvement, Wilson. You never see anything oh, above his funny. eyes. Or below his eyes, I should say. But, yeah, I mean, and I think that if Kevin, and it goes back to what I asked him a couple of weeks ago about the defense. You're going to get involved in the defense. He's like, well, my coach is the head coach. It's my responsibility, yada, 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 yada. I've never seen Kevin Stefanski get involved with the defense in the middle of the game. Ever. Why? Faces buried in the play sheet. And in the just, defensive play sheet, too, you wonder? Or is he just thinking ahead to the next offensive play? I don't know. But I just I thought that that was a very, very interesting observation from those former players in regards to Stefanski and leadership and that. Hmm. Um, and that's not me. I want to make that very clear. That's not coming from me. This is These are former players who played the game at a very high level um, that know this type of stuff. And, and you see flashes, you see potential with the brilliance in that. Like Joe Woods all of a sudden just didn't start calling good games against the Ravens and the Bengals. No. I hypothesize maybe Joe Woods was calling good games all season and just guys weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Believe well, they not. really stood out on Monday night. I mean, they, they really picked things yeah. back up. Because so, they showed up to play and they did their jobs. And I'm hoping that this extra week against Miami will have them have a good game plan. Look, we know how good they can be at the beginning of a game when they start a drive. So maybe an extra week of scripting out every play for 60 minutes might help he's, out a little he's bit. He's got some of the, like, his scripts, Stefanski scripts to open games are works of art. They really are. I, I, I mean, it's incredible to watch the Browns offense operate early in games because they practice that script over and over and over again. It looks like it. Right. But then, you know, there are points where thing, the, and the offense isn't even the problem. And the last two weeks, the defense hasn't been much of a problem either, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just think that Kevin can be better. That's all. all right, let's do this. We're going to talk about the defense, maybe a little bit more about the offense when we come back here. Again, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast or download the podcast. We like when you download it as well. If you want to be a part of the podcast, all you need to do is follow us, send us some emails if you want, or go to Instagram, uh, not emails, go to Twitter or go to Instagram at Game Day CLE. It's always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. We're back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Okay, so we've talked about the coaching staff. We've talked about um, Kareem Hunt. We've talked about the trade deadline. We've talked about the offense. Now it's time to talk about the defense. And Andrew Barry touched on a lot of that today. Um, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Again, let's start off by hearing what Andrew Barry had to say about the defense, Daryl. I think we've just played cleaner on that side of the ball, you know, whether it's, you know, mental assignments, communication, I think our tackling has improved, um, you know, over the past, really over the past two weeks as well. And I, you know, I, that's where I give, you know, Joe and the defensive staff, you know, a lot of credit for, 
know, really kind of focusing on and, and kind of ironing out some of those um, areas where we didn't do them quite as well through the early part of the season. So that side of the ball seems to be to be rounding into form, but you know, we still have work to do. And ultimately, the, you know, the biggest thing, again, is consistency there. All right, Daryl, the defense has played better the last two weeks. I, I'm still shocked that Cincinnati only ran the ball 10 times the last game when everybody else was just gashing the Browns defense. I thought New England gave everyone the blueprint on how to beat the Browns, especially on the ground. So um, when you look at what Andrew had to say today about the defense, what do you think? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought too. You know, I mean, well uh... – it they've lost a couple of guys there. They've been shorthanded um, at, at times, but yeah, I, I, what else do you expect them to say? You know what I mean? There isn't a whole lot. So yeah. Daryl, I think one of the other questions that's come up and I th- believe that we all think it's miles Garrett and we could talk about the total identity of the team, because I think the total identity of the team is in limbo and we're waiting for him to not be suspended anymore. But if you look at it in, in compartments, Miles Garrett has to be the identity, but what did he think the identity of the team was? You know, what we saw on Monday night is, you know, certainly a defense that was really strong at the line of scrimmage, was really pleased with how our our front seven, you know, really won the line of scrimmage pretty consistently on Monday night. And then I thought our back end, they really covered their tails off against a really good skill group, you know, against Cincinnati. Look, I think, yeah, I mentioned this, pretty much every year that every year is unique and you know sometimes whether it's through personnel or injury or you know just guys kind of growing evolving in their career things can look maybe a little bit different than you think coming into you know coming into training camp and I think that you know certainly through the back half of this month you know our defensive staff has done a nice job of continually leaning into things that um, we have done well in the early part of the season I think that'll continue to progress as we get into the draft. By the way, when you hear the audio, you hear you can tell that the audio was manipulated there toward the. It's because yeah, it like so you can hear it. Wait a second, <laughs> we're on eighteen. He's gonna butt for the win. Watch it from fourteen feet out. Thirteen, twelve, eight, four. It's in the hole. Oh my goodness, it's in the hole. How about that? Actually, I was gonna say, and the Browns blew it again. What else is new? <laughs> Uh, Daryl, the defense is pretty banged up too. I mean, they've got some serious injuries on the defense and they haven't been whole for a while, but you know what, even when they were whole or as close to whole as they could be, they they weren't anything special. And for the amount of money they've invested into this defense, they need to be better and they need to be better when these guys are healthy. Like when Denzel comes back, hopefully he's back after the break. There's one guy that I think we're all expecting to see a little bit more from. And we're going to find out too, like when you look at the level of competition, they're going to play. So this can't be an aberration these last two weeks. Um, They, they need to carry this forward. And I don't know if they can, um, but it's a, it's positive. And the fact of the matter is they did do it last year, right? I mean, they were pretty terrible for a lot of the first part of the season. They went to new England, had their doors blown off, completely embarrassed by Bill Belichick. And then what happened after that? The switch flipped. Now, coincidentally, got their doors blown off again this year by Bill Belichick. And what's happened? The switch has been flipped in the last two games. Against Baltimore, they played really, really well. And against Cincinnati, they played really well. Um, 
and we'll see what they're able to do against Tua and the Dolphins in two weeks here. And as I was saying earlier, you got to go up to Buffalo and play Josh Allen, who's lighting everybody up. Uh, and then you got to come home. And I know Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they're struggling and things aren't going very well down there. But I, the last thing you want them to do is find their, you know, find themselves at your expense. So in Cleveland, when it gets to, a little bit cold and yeah. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay sets up for us to get a win. There's just no, it sets that way up now. It, it, well, if they can I mean, stay healthy. Look, I, but, think, I think Miami's winnable. I think Tampa Bay's winnable. The Texans game's winnable. Certainly the Bengals is winnable because that's like the only team in the division the Browns are capable of beating on regular Pittsburgh. Uh, with regularity. Pittsburgh too. Uh, you know, uh, the Steelers are still the Steelers, though. Let's not take that for granted. The Commanders yeah, is winnable, and the Saints is winnable. Yeah. So th- there's like seven of these games that are pretty winnable. I would the say the Commanders have won a couple games in a row, though. The worst, they're a little bit different than they were. Yeah, the team's about to be sold. Yeah, I, well, maybe that's a good on. thing. Maybe no, no, that's a good on. thing. No, no, no. Hang on. When there's that kind of turmoil at the top, remember what happened to the '95 Cleveland Browns. Just saying. Yeah, but a sale doesn't make I, like when you're moving the franchise. I think it's different than a sale. But... Uh, and f- well, when federal <laughs> investigators are getting involved, did you see that story today? Yeah, I did see that. Uh, no, just saying. Now that's the kind of turmoil that can mess up a season. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, let's... but the fine line, the fine line, Daryl, is they need to go two and one in the next three before Deshaun gets here, and they have and nine opportunities. This... I'm not sure if you heard Andrew Barry say that. There are nine unique opportunities for nine this. Nine unique opportunities. Huh? Hang on, I'm doing some math here, real quick. So we're there, three and five. Just want to make sure. Nine, take that. Nine oppor- nine unique opportunities remaining. Right. No, the unique ones point- are. That's what's very important. I I have uh, pointed out seven unique opportunities for victory. So if they okay. can go seven, seven and, and two, two down the stretch, that gets them to ten and seven. If they go six and three down the stretch. They're at nine and eight. And then I look, if they can go six and three down the stretch, let's just be fair about it. If they can go six and three down the stretch, that's uh, that's pretty positive. They can finish the season above 500. I think it's more. Right, realistic. I'm buying. I'm buying. I, I think it's more realistic. They finish where they did last year at eight and nine, but it, you know, and finish five and four. But I think if they can go six and three down the stretch, it's really, really good. But for that to happen, you know what needs to happen. Don't Things have to be special, much like the special teams that Andrew Barry talked about today, too. they got to be a hell Very of a special. lot better than the crap we've watched for the first eight weeks. You know, as we look at special teams, we realize that we can play cleaner there. We can you know play a bit better you know situationally there. And I know that that's certainly a focus for you know for, for Preef during the bye week. And he's – God, I hope so. He's been working tirelessly to make sure that you know we can play good football in the, in the kicking game. And I'll give give a lot of credit. Like, you know, he's done a really nice job with Cade York, Corey Bajorquez, and we're looking forward to more consistent football there in the second half. It's not just about the offense. Obviously, we're, we're, we're pleased that we're putting up points, but football really is the – you know, really is a team game. And uh, it takes offense, defense, and special teams to win. You know, and so that's where we've got to make improvements over the next few weeks. And special teams has been the boat anchor for this team. Pulling them down. The P out. You can change the P out for a B in brief if they don't turn things around here, right? Yeah, well. You with me on that? Do I oh, yeah. That okay. Oh, yeah. Because the, it's not because he's uh, what he's doing. It's because ownership's going to want some kind of change at the end of the season, and it's easy to, to point the finger at the special teams guy right isn't it yeah that's easy 
So brief becomes easy brief move if you to make. Did what I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. All right. So give me your overall on Andrew Barry today, then. Just give me again your big picture on where, where, what is the state of the Cleveland Browns. They have nine unique opportunities to turn this season around. And if he did talk about the Sean Watson coming back and Oh yeah, I forgot I, about that. We didn't even broach that subject. Correct. Yeah. And I think that might I, be the subject of our next podcast though, too. Potentially. Um I liked that he kind of stressed a little bit what I have been stressing and that is let's not think that Deshaun's going to come and save the franchise. Um yes, hopefully he's able to play well, but I'm expecting rust. And I am and, too. I don't know how you can't down two years I, we saw what we, i like, am does at, anyone remember what we saw in the preseason do you remember that because yeah, i remember yeah. that well but i also remember that there was a penalty an offensive lineman got hurt yeah, uh, someone didn't do the right thing on a play it, it, there were contributing factors to him looking as bad as he did but i just i'm realistic about it i'm not being negative for the sake of being negative i just i i, I want to uh, look at that in a very realistic fashion, just like when I look at the overall picture where this team is at, I'm just being realistic. No, I hear you. I think you're um, right. I don't think it's anything wrong. Uh, look, I would much rather they be five and three right about now. And uh, we start counting wins toward the end of the season and, you know, figuring out where we're going to go watch playoff games and, and things like that. But there's a lot of work to do. And I think that where Andrew Berry really missed the mark uh, during that presser, is he did not stress enough how disappointing the first half of the season really is. And if it was more disappointing, though, we might be seeing complete roster change or some. And, according, and I mean, there might be, and I was just about to say, there might be a little self-preservation element involved sure. in that. Because if you come out and say that you're really disappointed, then ownership's going to want to know, so why are you disappointed? Is it your fault? Is it Kevin Stefanski's fault? You know, because that's what ownership has been known to do uh, over uh, their tenure in running this franchise is pitting the coaching and the front office against each other, trying to get to the bottom of why things are not going well or as well as expected. So um, I, I just, I think that he really painted a much rosier picture for things than what they really, really are. Uh, I did find his comments about the younger players, uh, you know, they all kind of evolve and grow at, at different stages. I thought that that was pretty, uh, a pretty candid and honest assessment. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, they're playing for a lot it, it down the stretch here, even if it ultimately doesn't end up being a playoff spot. Right. They really are playing for a lot. There's going to be a lot to watch and listen for uh, as the Browns, uh, you know, head into the uh the back nine the back <laughs> nine unique opportunities the nine unique opportunities that lay ahead all right he's Daryl Ryder I'm Andy Baskin for our producer Meredith Kane thanks for listening to it's always game day in Cleveland and uh if you like what you're listening to subscribe to the podcast or download the podcast we love having you on board we got a mailbag coming up pretty soon so if you need to get a hold of us all you need to do is hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at game day CLE Daryl, thank you very much. It's always game day in Cleveland.